Today's melancholy, very sad, somber edition of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Yahoo Brackets. Do you know what time it is, Tate? It is bracket time. There's no wrong way to pick teams with Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em all through the Yahoo Fantasy app. Join a public group or create a group or join Draymond Green's group for a shot at $25,000. Don't join our group. Join our group, Tate. Tell the people they need to join our group. We need to have more people than than Draymond Green. Our group. I'm actually joining Draymond's group because I need twenty five thousand dollars. So I will not be in our group. I will be in Draymond's we're giving, group. We're giving away like airtime on our pod. <laughs> Draymond Green's giving away twenty five thousand dollars. I am currently seventh in Draymond Green's pool. Join. You can join Draymond Green's group for a shot at twenty five thousand dollars. Don't miss out on March Madness. Get your bracket in before the games tip off on March fifteenth. That's only six days away. Build your own bracket now at yahoo.com slash tourney 2018 we are also brought to you by the ringer ringer um there is there are articles written on the ringer.com you can read them they're in english uh they have been written by various writers about various topics one such article is is a, is a, is a writer by the name of Roger Sherman. Tate, he wrote mm. about the uh, all the 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 tournaments going on in New York City. We got a little turf war going. We got How ACC many people in work here? <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, we got the turf war going with the ACC going on in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. We got the Big East in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Who's going to win out? Someone's got it. One of them is going to absorb the other one. Mm. They're going to there's a, there's a battle going on. Roger Sherman wrote a fun article about that. Uh we also are brought to you by The Ringer Podcast Network. Um, check out podcasts such as Draft Class. We were on that today. On. Yes. We were on that. Yes. You can listen to you G. You got an F. I got an A. You can listen to GM Street. Yes. Tate, Tate is on that one mm-hmm. with, with Mike Lombardi. You can listen to the Bill Simmons podcast. I produced ho- that one. Hosted by Bill Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, Check all those out. These are all shows on the Please. Ringer Podcast Network. That's all right and good. And on today's podcast, One Shining Podcast, we are going to pay homage to the late, great Woody Durham, who passed away this past Wednesday. Um, we woke up to that news. Uh, the voice of the Tar Heels for over 40 years, and this is one of his most iconic calls that leads into every single One One Shining Podcast that we have, the 1993 National Championship game. We've got a lot of topics to discuss today, but first, here he is, Woody Durham. Go where you go, do what you do. That was the mantra of Woody Durham, uh, the play-by-play announcer for North Carolina football and basketball for over 40 years, a guy that I grew up with forever, and a man that has led every single One Shining podcast, even dating back to the teed-up days. He has started every single one of our podcasts. He unfortunately passed away Wednesday uh, at the age of 76, and we finally got the full call. That was the 1993 championship game. Everyone remembers Chris Weber taking the timeout. Mick Mixon sitting right there and was like, I don't think Michigan has any more timeouts than Woody Durham. And, and, and the way that he's done for so long, uh, gets excited and celebrates the Tar Heels' second national title, Dean Smith's second national title. And uh, for me, Woody Durham has been like an uncle to me that I you know, mm-hmm. met a few times, saw around a few times. And for all the Carolina fans out there, uh, everyone listened to Woody on the radio. And it was always 
a little bit quicker than the TV broadcast. So mm-hmm. you'd always know if you made the mm-hmm. three, you see someone take a shot. It's like, Ed Coda takes the shot. Good. And you'd already celebrate. And then you just get to watch it on TV. Um, so it, it, it's really sad to hear. And I know like I've seen Kenny Smith and Vince Carter, all these former Tar Heels come out and show their support. So we really appreciate having Woody at the top well, of everyone shining podcast. I, I'll be honest. I didn't know who Woody Durham was until we started doing the pod. And then you sent me over the file. And I obviously remember the Chris Weber thing. Um, but I was not, I didn't grow up in North Carolina, Tate. Um, no, you so didn't. I, I would not have heard that call until, but it's been like just burned in my brain. And when I listen to it now, I hear our theme music. Um, yeah, Woody Durham has become like a part of my life in a weird way. And I've never heard the guy call a basketball game ever, but it's it's kind of funny how these broadcasters just like, ex- you probably don't, maybe, you're, maybe you do, but I was going to say like, I don't really like Don Fisher is the guy at Indiana. Mm-hmm. I haven't given Don Don Fisher thought a second thought in like ten years. Um, but God forbid if Don Fisher was to pass away, it would just like rock my world. Like I'm sure Woody Durham did because like I grew up with Don Fisher. But it's like weird how these broadcasters just sort of exist in the peripheral or like they exist in your like past and your childhood. And then it just comes like when I like when Mike Patrick when they said he was retiring, I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, I remember watching Mike Patrick call games. It, Free SBN, all the, he was like a college basketball, like a voice that I grew up with. All that. That's always strange to me how like the broadcasters, especially now, like everybody hates every broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Yet if some of these guys, you know, like start retiring or dying or something, it's like, oh, damn, that sucks. And um, it, it's a soundtrack to moments that you all remember in yeah. those times of watching games. And, and you can almost like it's etched in your memory as much as the actual play itself. And uh, that's why it really matters. And, you know, that's why we want to give a nice uh, RIP to Woody Durham and uh, shout out to his whole moment family. Moment of silence. Let's do a moment of silence. Okay. We're back. We're back. One Shining Podcast. There's been a lot going on since the last time we recorded. Uh, Titus and I were leading it's, into all these tournaments. It, it's been crazy. We, we don't even know if we can cover everything today. Listen, you lost someone that was near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. I also lost someone who was near and dear to my heart. Um, Don't say it. It's going to... I'm like, I'm getting choked up, dude. This is hard. Stallball's dead, man. It's dead. No. It's no more. <laughs> Kevin Stallings is gone, man. I thought we had one more year. I did. We wanted one more year. We we needed one more year. We had to have one more year. And Kevin Stallings, he he, he didn't go down without a fight. We'll say that much. Pitt, and some will say he did because he went 0-18 in conference play. But, you know. 0-19 if you count the, the ACC tournament. Pitt, numbers be damned. Pitt goes to fire him. The, the Pitt AD goes to fire him. And she's like, Wait, what the hell? You have a $10 million buyout? This can't be right. So Pitt starts looking, is there a way we can fire him with cause? Yes. And, it, and the, the, the obvious joke that my mind goes to is from the office where Michael goes, it's like the, uh, David Wallace goes, you can't fire You can't fire Toby without cause. And Michael goes, I do have cause. It's because I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt like Pitt was. So they were trying to fire Stalin with cause so they don't mm-hmm. have to pay his buyout. Stalin says no, which like, I felt like the, the media was sort of trying to portray this as like a bad thing for Stallings, but I like most people saw it there. I saw like the 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 the, the fans on Twitter were like, well, of course the guy wants his money. Why would he not? Like, what what What's same the person? Point? It's the whole point of signing a contract. Yeah. He's owed all of this money. Yeah, of course, he's, he's not going to take for cheap. And be like, no, guys, I understand. I really have screwed yeah. up. You guys, yeah. you know, I'll take less. That's not going to happen. So he he fights. He gets his ten million dollars to eight. Mm-hmm. He. But then, like we we get sort of a happy ending because he, he gets the golden parachute that he gets to. <laughs> Let's be honest, to, he gets a great happy ending. He has ten million dollars yeah, not to coach. But no, he, he's saying now that he's retiring. This is not the happy ending, Tate. And 
What I want to say to Kevin is this. We can fix this. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I mean Tate and I. Yes. I mean, we are uniquely qualified as we have been Stallball brand connoisseurs from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we can fix this. Dating back please, to the Vanderbilt days. If anybody knows Kevin Stallings, has his contact information, anything like that, please reach out to us. Slide into our DMs. We are going to save this man's career. I think the first step, as as the Crenaissance has taught us, mm-hmm. the first step is you take a year off and you do media stuff. Now, now Stallings, as we know, sort of a foul mouth. Like he's not going to go on ESPN and be like, "Hi, hi, hi, Mickey Mouse audience." Yeah, Disney, like, Disney's not going to appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. He, he wants to say, "I'll fucking kill you," as <laughs> he said before. Um, I got a great spot that he can do that, Tate. It's called One Shining Podcast. Mm, mm. We want Stallings to work for us. We want him to be our coaching correspondent. We want to be like, hey, listen, uh, I still think Trey Young's good, but I don't know. I'd love to hear a coach's perspective. Coach Coach Stallings, what do you think? And he's like, I'd fucking kill that kid. And then we're like, thanks, coach. <laughs> like, that would be a great segment on this show. Um, I, I don't know, Tate. I, I it, it hurt. It really does. I thought he had one more year in him. I saw like a list. I think it was Rob Douster, friend of the program, tweeted this out like, there have been like six guys. I forget the timeline, but there's only like six guys that have ever been fired at a major program um, who have only been there for two years. And two of them were like NCAA violations. Mm-hmm. Two of them were like off-court scandals. And now one of them is Kevin Stall. I forget who the other guy was. But ba- So basically like this is very, very rare for a guy to get hired at a major school and then turn around and get fired just because he sucks. And let's be honest, when the FBI report, when when everything came out from Yahoo with all the spreadsheets and everything, every single program, what are you all thinking? I hope my coach isn't on that list. I hope we don't have a yeah. player on that list. Every single person at Pitt at the time was, I hope Kevin Stallings is on that, on that list. list. <laughs> I hope that we have a Pitt player on that list. And mm-hmm. that was because they were trying to find cause to get rid of this guy. As we, he's, he's a clean man. He's a good guy. He's the ultimate good guy. And I know that we, we have some awards mm-hmm. and we haven't quite announced that that whole... The Duffy's know, coming. Yeah, the, the Duffy's. The Duffy's are coming. They're coming. He, but he 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 let us know that at Louisville. He said, "At least I didn't pay my players a hundred thousand dollars." Yeah, and he didn't. He wasn't willing to give Cam Johnson fake classes, which is why Cam Johnson had to transfer to North Carolina. It's all it's all right there in front of us, Tate. He doesn't want to cheat. This man plays it the right way. Um, and and I gotta say, I'm disgusted with the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm I'm gonna call them out. Um, so we we get a letter, Tate. Mm. From on Pittsburgh Sports Now. Yeah, we should say we which, personally did not get sent a letter. We, we, we wish we would have. Pittsburgh Sports Now publishes a letter uh, that was written by, it says, an unsigned letter from the wife of one of the former members of Pitt's basketball staff. And this wife, if she actually exists, I mean, you know, you know how the coach's wives rumors go. I would love if Kevin Stallings wrote this letter himself <laughs> under the moniker of a coach's wife. <laughs> Basically, so th- this, this, "Quote unquote wife writes the letter. Mm-hmm. This, this wife that is definitely not Kevin Solid. Definitely not balding. Writes the letter and, and and says like, Pittsburgh's a bad sports town. Uh-huh. How dare you? Uh-huh. How dare you? And I gotta say, I'm aligning myself with this woman who. She she says, you don't give the guy time. You 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 have un, unreal expectations out of the gate. What chance did he possibly have? And the line the line that got me was this. She says, no great player is going to want to come play at a place that it's impossible that his own fans, that it's possible where that his own fans will turn on him the second he makes a mistake. Mm-hmm. No great coach is going to want to come to a place where he feels his job is in jeopardy the minute he starts losing. And to that I say, that is not true. This is the one, this is the one thing I disagreed with in the in the letter. Because Tate, I do think there's a great coach that wants to come coach in that environment. Mm-hmm. I think there's a great coach that already signed up to coach in that environment. And that great coach's name was Kevin Stall. Oh. <laughs> 
It was Kevin Stallings. Oh. We already had the coach tape. <laughs> he was there and you got rid of him. This is this is a Jamie Dixon situation all over again. You saw what like like they're running Kevin Stallings out of town only to hire a guy who's better. You saw what happened when you did that to Jamie Dixon. You ran him out of town and you hired Oh shit, wait. bad example. Cut that out, Kyle. <laughs> um but I'm devastated by this, man. You're, you're the ACC expert. What, what is your take on this? I think the take on this is, and I don't do takes. I don't, I don't, I don't you know, I don't partake in takes. But Kevin Stallings has been instant entertainment for everyone in the ACC. Everyone needs a common enemy. And that's how you galvanize the whole group of people together. So the best thing about the ACC basketball season has been, at least we beat Pitt. You know, Wake right. Forest, Danny Manning, friend of the program. I, I love Wake Forest basketball and what they're doing. But they're a young team still trying to figure it out. And... Every single time you're like, man, I feel really bad for Wake. They're just getting killed in the ACC. It's like, oh, well, Pitt's coming up in two games. Right. You know, so every team had the Kevin Song special on the way, and now they don't have that to fall back on. But my thing about this Pitt program right now is they're going to have to go cheap because they have to pay Kevin Song $10 million, <laughs> which is amazing. So now they're going to have to try to find a young guy to bring in, and Ooh. and everyone wants to bring in these big-name guys. Like I even saw Ben Howland. Everyone's like, Ben Howland, you bring know, him back. May- maybe he's not happy at Mississippi State. Bring you know? him back. He's got some things going on in Starksville, Mississippi. Maybe he wants to go back to Pittsburgh. That's not going to happen. They can't pay Ben Howland. So I think that they have to go young. And a guy that's definitely not going to keep his job because, as Seth Greenberg pointed out, I mean, if Rick Pitino was coaching Louisville, Louisville would be an instant Final Four team, yeah. no matter what. No disrespect but to Dave, no disrespect as to as Dave Padgett, you know, like, I'm not saying anything disrespectful, but if Rick Pitino was coaching that team, they would win a national title. There's no doubt about it. But there doesn't say anything about Dave Padgett. But they're gar- they're garbage now. They're actually trash. I mean, this is like the worst. This is an affront to basketball. But if Rick could Pitino, not have done a no worse offense. coaching job than Dave but Padgett. But if Rick Pitino was here, they're... but I think Dave Padgett's actually a great hire. I, I mean, I love the tall oh, head coach, Dave Padgett. Yeah, so like, the, just just take him from this ACC program that doesn't want him and mm-hmm. wants to get rid of him and stop start dropping bags again and right. bring him to Pitt. Like pay him seven hundred thousand dollars, make him earn his spot, and see what happens. Interesting. He's familiar yeah, with I, the conference. The one name that came up to me was, and a lot of people don't know this, was Sean Miller because he's from Pittsburgh. Oh, I, he played there. Wow. You think, you think? I so I, I googled. Uh, we were researching for the pod, and we saw the letter was written by a coach and his wife, and so I I was like curious who's on staff at at Pitt, mm-hmm. and I googled Pittsburgh basketball coaches, and the first result was Sean Miller. <laughs> and I thought job. that was awesome. I thought that was awesome. So I'm I'm excited for that, especially especially if Sean Miller gets implicated in the FBI thing, and but but like not in a bad way. Like, I guess let me back up. If he gets implicated in the FBI thing, he's probably not going to be a head he's coach probably toast. Yeah. But I mean, if he if this if like the Book Richardson tie in to Sean Miller like mm-hmm. gets him fired from Arizona somehow, because like Arizona fans listening to this, we have come to your defense with the Sean Miller stuff. But we should also mention that he is in no way, shape, or form out of the woods yet. Like we, we, can't, like, we can't blindly follow you into the darkness. Sean Miller's vindicated. Schleybotched, fucked it up, and we're all good now. It's Which like, he yeah. did, but this is one report. However, yeah. <laughs> there, like, there Sean may be Miller's more. not vind- he might he might get drugged down eventually. Um but like, like if he gets something where it's like he wasn't directly involved because he did a good job of mm-hmm. building the plausible denial, whatever. The, I, I'm I'm so ready for the rumors. And just, the, the, his wife was at the mall uh, and was shopping for real estate in Pittsburgh, and she's allergic to the desert. People forget. Just because you're not criminally criminally implicated in an FBI case does not mean that the NCAA doesn't have right. some sort of case on their own to come in and then step right. in and make a decision. And you mentioned Sean Miller. We should mention his press conference last yeah, night. Please do. So he was asked uh, about the Olympic model, which. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Olympics, but they do this thing where they let athletes 
get sponsored independently. They, mm-hmm. they don't get paid to go to the Olympics, but you can be sponsored by Nike or, you know, freaking Wachovia or Wells Fargo, whatever. It's how and, Michael Phelps afforded all that marijuana he smoked <laughs> yes, that one time. Yes, that yeah. one time he bought that gram of weed for a million dollars. So that that's all to say that the Olympic model is out there. Um, and now they ask him, they're like, well, if you're Trey Young or DeAndre Ayton or one of these guys, do you do you think that they should be able to be a part of the Olympic model? Yeah. This, this is like all journalist love, you know, because the, the players have to get the players have to get paid at some point. And so he asked Sean Miller this and Sean Miller looks at him as if he asked him, you know, I don't even know what the hell. Sean Miller was like literally lost in thought of like, I can't I don't, believe this I has don't been understand asked to me. The question. I, yeah, he, he pulled the ultimate to fist. I don't understand the question, which is yeah. to say, I don't understand any of the words that you use to formulate yeah. a question. But then he, there's this great pregnant pause where he just sits there for a second and you're yeah. expecting like a follow-up to I don't understand the question. But, but maybe the, there is a world in which play, players should get paid. But he just stares at him and the guy's like, well, Sean, I mean, yeah. uh, what, what do we what do we yeah. say to this? I, I, I don't know. I think that they, maybe they should get played. And he was like, I'm not authorized to answer this question. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> and, then, and then did you see the long cut of it? They cut to uh, Alonzo Trier and he was giving the dude like side-eye. Like what? <laughs> What kind of question is that? It was a it was a great interaction. Yeah. So Sean is the, the Sean the Sean Miller saga will, will always. We say that there's going to be more questions to come for Sean Miller. So what's what's next for Stallings? How do we how do we fix this? How do we uh he, he's we we got to get him back into coaching. I think I think this here's what I think happened. His ego is bruised like because he said again that he's retiring for good. This was it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think his, his ego is just bruised. He's he's taken his beatings like you said all the. All the ACC people like love making fun of him. He was a huge punchline. We had a couple years ago where Boston College didn't win a game in mm-hmm. ACC, but that was like a sad story. You remember the kid? Uh, they lose in the the tournament, and the the guy, the reporter, asked the player, he's like, "What's the one memory you're gonna have from from playing college basketball?" And he said, "Going out to eat." <laughs> <laughs> All the team dinners. <laughs> it's like, and and the funny thing about that was like that same team had gotten like Ebola from Chipotle. Uh-huh. Or yeah. Remember the Boston College team like had diarrhea for like three weeks from Chipotle. So that was like and, a subtle <laughs> metaphor for his college experience. And so like that, but no one wanted to laugh because it was like the sad because the guy yeah. the, the kid was like saying this through tears, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like a sad situation. Was it Donahue bad? right that was coaching that team? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the point is, this Stalling situation was not sad. Everyone was just laughing at him the entire time. Uh, present company excluded. We were not laughing. We were we laughing with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think his ego is just bruised, and he's gonna he's gonna be back, Tate. But it's just like, how do we how do we make this happen? Because he's got, like, I I think step one is obviously next year he comes on our pod. He's our coaching correspondent. Mm-hmm. But then where do we go from here? Do we does he need to shave his head? Does he need to do the Mike Dunleavy senior? And do just like a brand overall and get Where rid of the. I just go bald and I start wearing like super nice suits, pinstripe, that are pinstripe suits that <laughs> yeah. are tailored to my body perfectly. Uh, that's a good angle. I, I think what happens with Stallings is he does the 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 thing now where NBA teams they hire you as a consultant. It's the Matt Darty treatment. We just hire you yep. on and we just say that you're a consultant for the team and that's your new job and basically mm-hmm. just sit around NBA games. But someone tweeted at us a picture of Kevin Stallings. They said, put this in the One Shining uh, podcast archives forever. Uh, he's asleep in this yes, high school gym. And he's supposed to be recruiting. And this is like two weeks ago. So that might yeah. have been in the end. Someone probably sent that to someone at Pitt. And they're like, we got to fuck yes, this guy. Can't be asleep in a high school gym recruiting someone. That's not going to get anyone to come. So I, I think being in an NBA room like that 
probably sounds even more boring watching NBA tape. Yeah. So I don't think that'll save him. I think the only thing you can do is go on that coach's ESPNU when we're watching yes. the national title yes. game and there's like a round table of coaches. It's the David Cutcliffe thing because people forget that David Cutcliffe coaches at Duke until he does a national championship broadcast where he sits around the table and he sounds smarter than everyone else. Yeah. It's like people are like, well, you got to play smart, fast, and physical. And he's yeah. like, well, they're running cover one yeah, right, right here. And, they, and like yeah. they do this whole thing. So Stongs needs to do that. He needs to really lock here. in on tape and be ready for the national title game. I have another I have another suggestion. He should start a camp for coaches mm. who want to learn how to be asshole coaches mm. because we've we've made this point before that asshole coaches in college basketball are it's a dying, dying breed. breed. Mm-hmm. There just aren't any of them anymore. I mean, you got Mike Rice at Rutgers, he gets fired for throwing balls at people's <laughs> faces. Um like the one guy that's left is Frank Martin, but mm-hmm. he's he's got like the soft side. They they did the story on Frank Martin, like how he almost died at Kansas state. Like ESPN just put that story out, that whole video package. And they show like his soft side and they're trying to do the thing where he's, he's rough around the edges, but he's actually a nice guy. And, and they're just like the days of like the Bob Knight coach are long gone. And I think that's Kevin Stalin's angle here is like, we're trying, we're a dying breed. I'm uniquely qualified to teach other coaches coming up how to be an asshole coach how to, to to take a team in the SEC to uh, like a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, I can do this for you guys. Um, I think that's his thing. That's what he needs to do. It's like the Bobby Knight thing. It's like there's Dark Knight and there's White Knight, and there's like got to be a good 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. When Bob Knight was at the peak of his powers, it was like 50-50. It was like right. good Bob Knight as the great basketball coach, and then Dark Bob Knight where he's just going to talk shit to you and make you feel like the smallest person on yeah. the planet. And like Frank Martin has t- toned it down to about 80% yeah. where he keeps it like pretty even-killed for the most part. But then sometimes they'll just snap. Right, and that's, the, that's the most that we can get now in college. Well, basketball. Frank Martin also he he always brings it back around and will, and will love his guys and mm-hmm. he'll get in the press conference. Oh, he's, and he's crying. Like, yeah, and he's, he's he's like Chris Silva is so yeah, important yeah. to me. And that's the big move. Is like you just beat the shit out of your players, and then you do like the Tom Izzo throw your arm around them on the sideline, and you're like, mm-hmm. "But I love you. Mm-hmm. Just don't forget that. I love that kid. I hate you because I love you. You yeah. know." Um, so anyway, Stallings Stallball is dead. It's uh, I'm 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 not saying it's dead forever. I I have hope that it'll it'll come back. But if this is in fact dead, I think we'll be fine. Tate, we'll find you and I will find a way. There will be another coach that will rise from the ashes who will tell players that he'll fucking kill them and will. Do- Hit, hit hit home runs in softball games that he organizes against his players and What's hit half really, court shots from behind the back. <laughs> What's really going to happen is he's going to be on the baseball circuit. His, yeah. his son Jacob, <laughs> the play, softball yeah, circuit. His son plays like double A baseball or something. Jacob. Yeah. So he's going to be around like minor league baseball games. He's going to be like at Carolina Mudcats games, and they're going to like pull him up. It's like former Vanderbilt and pitch coach Kevin Songs in the building. Coach Songs, how you doing? Well, I'm just out here watching Dude, my son Jacob. Blah, blah, blah. Minor He'll league first base coach yes. Kevin Stallings. Yes. Are you there for that? Of course. I, I'm, we're getting to if he gets. Oh my. Make make me a promise right now. If Kevin Stallings ever coaches any sport in any capacity we ever again, we will be at his first mm-hmm. game yes. in person. Yes, I will buy tickets right behind the bench. We're closest to him. I'll hold up signs. We're talking like, little league, YMCA, whatever it is. We'll be. It there. doesn't matter. So um, he's a leader of men. R.I.P. Kevin. Do you want to do a moment of silence for Kevin Stallings as well? We'll Let's do, do it. All right. Uh, so the the hits continue. This is this is a very depressing episode of <laughs> just things that we have lost Tate. it's like it's like it's like one shining podcast dead meme week or something um we lose woody durham we lose mm. kevin stallings mm. we also have now lost the michael porter jr mystery or have we i don't really know um but michael porter jr came back do you think the mystery's still going on i think you're looking at me like we're not that should we play the music play the music kyle All right, Tate. So Michael Porter Jr., uh, the announcement comes out. We, we As we first 
first broke the story on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We said he would come back at some point this year. Yes. Um, against Auburn. To be honest, a <laughs> little disappointed in our colleagues. Didn't give us credit for that. Mm. Um, we said... No hat tip? Yeah. We didn't get an H slash T. H slash T at one shiny pie in parentheses. Come on. <laughs> My God. Please give us that. My God. No ethics in this this industry anymore. Um so we said he'd come back for the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of doubters, a lot of people saying, you know, that, that there's no way that's actually happening. I, I think we may have even doubted ourselves at one point. We doubted ourselves because we didn't want to get our hopes up. It was, yeah. a, it was a defense mechanism against ourselves on this podcast. It wasn't because we didn't believe it. And then once it finally happens, we get the full Michael Porter Jr. treatment leading into the game, which is this is the most buzz in a building we've had at the SEC tournament yep. since... I don't know. Herschel Walker showed up to a game in the '80s or something. That, that's what they were they, saying. They uh, so the game, his game, he plays Georgia. It, they're the five seed. Missouri was Georgia's the twelve seed. The game is on SEC Network, um, which I think like the SEC tournament was doing like half SEC Network, mm-hmm. half ESPN. Uh, so Sean Farnham's calling the game, and 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 I thought it was hysterical because you could tell how excited Sean Farnham was. Like mm-hmm. he had been assigned to this game that was bullshit that no one cared about. Georgia versus Missouri. <laughs> who cares? Who's mm-hmm. watching? You might get ten thousand people watching. And then Michael Porter's playing. He's like, oh, God, it's on. He knows that the whole country's watching this, and everyone wants to see Michael Porter. He gets really excited. ESPN starts showing graphics like, folks, Michael Porter Jr., you want to know about this kid? Let us tell you a few things. Number one, McDonald's All-American. You ever heard of that? If you haven't, here's some other guys that are McDonald's All-Americans. I don't know. LeBron James. <laughs> ever heard of him? How about Kevin Durant? You mm-hmm. ever heard Dwight Howard? And they just start like flashing all these guys. I actually don't think they showed Durant. They showed... Uh, no, they showed Dwight Howard. Chris Webber was one of the, them. The first one they showed was Alonzo Mourning. Alonzo Mourning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so they're doing their day, like trying to hype him up. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he does not start, which... Kind of tipped me off right away. You, I have a question. Yeah. So when we talk about Missouri basketball, everyone, the first thing they say to you is love Quanzo, which I will correct them and say you love Conzo. Yes. Quanzo Martin does not exist anymore. Quanzo Martin died. Yeah, he died. When Jalen Brown and Ivan Rabb committed to California, Quanzo was like on the verge of death. Yeah, he was, he was near death's door, yeah. And then as soon as they left, as soon as Rabb left, he was like, I am now Quanzo. I am leaving California. I am explain, going to Missouri. Explain to the different the, to the listeners the difference between Quanzo Martin and Quanzo Martin. So Quanzo Martin was a former college basketball player that at Purdue. At Purdue. Gene Cady disciple like Gene, like our boy Kevin Stallings. Yes, Gene Cady disciple, which uh you made a great joke the other day that that means what? He's he's an asshole. Is that what I said? <laughs> great line. Uh so he's from cut from that cloth, and Quanzo Martin's been going around. He's you know coached at Tennessee. Everyone remembers all these teams he's had. California was probably, I guess, the most prolific job he's had as far as like yeah. keeping people having eyeballs because Jalen Brown was such a big recruit when he committed. Ivan Rabb was such a big recruit when he committed. He had Ty Wallace there. I mean, they had this team that was a four seed that a lot of people were kind of hey, that's a dark horse team. Watch out for them in 2015, whatever, whatever. And then Wallace gets hurt in practice. Right. Brown leaves and goes to the NBA after a year. Gets drafted by the Celtics. Rabb comes back. Rab's not that great. They don't make the tournament into the Quanzo era. And I think he learned a lesson from that. You mm-hmm. know, he he basically decided I can't be this Quanzo character because it does not lead to winning. Quanzo was like the players coach. Like yes. I get I, you know, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm guys. on your guys' side. Like mm-hmm. I'm just kinda I'm the former player. I played at Purdue. Like I, I get got, where you're coming from. Yeah. I got the player angle down. Yeah. Quanzo was the player. Mm-hmm. Conzo 
it's which and should we explain the joke that like his name is spelled C U O N Z O, so it looks like Quanzo, but he actually pronounces it Conzo now. Yes, and I swear when he was at Purdue, it was Quanzo. It has been Quanzo yeah. his entire so, existence until the past two years. So we think he has changed his name to Conzo because now he's kind of like he's this new persona of like he knows how to he knows how to run game now as a coach. He knows how to drop bags. He knows how to like finesse the. There's a certain finesse. That uh, that you need as a college basketball coach that Quanzo never had, but Conzo, Conzo is starting to figure it out. It too. seems like he was indebted to his players when he was Quanzo, and now he has the upper hand as yeah. as Conzo. So that's as it, the difference. So as it pertains to Michael Porter Jr. coming back, so we know that Michael Porter Jr. is one hundred percent. We the doctors have said this since January. Multiple doctors, it, like yeah, every doctor in the world. You got like Dr. James Andrews hasn't even looked at him. He's he's just watching on TV. He's like, I saw him shoot around. It looks like one hundred percent. The, the, yeah. the Chuck Norris just thumbs up. Doctor Phil is chiming in, tweeting. Yeah, it looks good to me. Uh, every doctor in the world is like, this guy is one hundred percent. But then he's he comes off the bench, Tate. This guy is was was the top recruit until Bagley committed to Duke. Mm-hmm. Until Bagley reclassified. Reclassed, yeah. Um. So we're talking like a guy who coming into Missouri was in the running for the the best player in the country, number one draft pick, and he's coming off the bench at 100%. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, of course, Michael Porter Jr., he hasn't played all year. We're at tournament time. All these teams are, you know, are in shape. All these players are ready to go. It makes sense he would come off the bench. I say to you, that's a fair point. That's yeah. fine. But then what's the second name that you've heard the entire year about Missouri basketball? Well, we haven't got Michael, but his brother Jante, who sucks compared to Michael, yeah. is now all freshman SEC and is quote unquote the best player on their team. Right. So I'm like, well, we're not going to get Michael Porter Jr. At least I'm going to see Jante. And guess what? He's sitting next to his brother on the right. bench, who's sitting next to his dad on the bench. And I'm like, what is going on with this whole Porter family? Why do they not play? And why do why do we only talk about them? He eventually gets in Porter. Yes, Michael Porter. Um, he, I don't know. First thing that stands out to me, you don't I, like the number. I, I don't. I don't like the number. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said this that not superstitious. You he just don't like. 13. Yeah, he, he wears jersey number thirteen. That was a flag, that was a red flag to me. It just didn't look right on him. Didn't look like the superstar I, I needed. I don't. I don't know what I mean by that. You just kind of. I'm not. I'm not against number thirteen. You know, like I think thirteen works well for James Harden. I think that looks good on him. Paul George. Yeah, Paul George has made it work. Michael Porter doesn't look like a thirteen to me. He looks like a number one to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe number three. I, I you could do the one, you can do the three. You put them together. I was like, I'm not buying it. This kid's not a star. Um, but in all seriousness, he starts playing. He looks very, very rusty. Uh, he l- looks like he's just kind of like in a whirlwind. Doesn't know really, like just trying to find his bearings. Um, is overwhelmed by the moment. Be Taking, honest, what did he look like? He looked like an AAU basketball player that yes. was playing his first real game of right. actual basketball, which yeah. is the whole point of the Michael Porter Jr. mystery in the first place, which was. There is a problem with a guy that is uh, that is put up as a top five guy on your team because if he's going to come in late, the only thing he can really do is hurt his draft stock. Mm-hmm. But if he decides to play, then that means that this is his one who last two raw in college basketball. Right. As soon as we found out that he was going to play in this game, he's already put he's it done. out there that like he is going to leave yes. Missouri and go to the NBA draft. And right now, he's just trying to help his draft stock or at least show that he is healthy and willing to be you know to be drafted in the top yeah. eight of the draft. So he comes in this game with already behind the eight ball a little bit. And then we start this one, and all they can talk about is his frame, how athletic he is, right. how bouncy he is, how rangy he is, all these stupid things that they say. And he gets a fast break, a oh beautiful pass from his brother. Jante. I jump out of my seat. Yeah. I jump out of my seat. Beautiful bounce pass, and you're like, brother to brother, this is the Porter on Porter we've been hearing about. Yep. And this is like the the cock it back Marvin Bagley moment, yep. the, the Trevon Duval moment, Duval. where you just cock it back, throw it down, everyone goes crazy, sexton moment, whatever it is. 
And this guy barely lays it in and barely even gets up to the rim. Grazes it with his fingertip, grazes the rim with his fingertips. And I think it was in that moment I realized this guy's a bust. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, yeah, it was just... And then, so we find out after the game. So so Porter finishes 5 for 17, 12 points, 8 rebounds. Not Not a terrible game, but like, as we said on the pod, like he shouldn't come back because... This is this was exactly going to be the reaction. If he didn't do what Marvin Bagley did against Notre Dame and go for like 33 and 16 and just look like a man amongst boys, it was going to be a disappointment. We were going to like scratch our heads and be like, I wonder if he's really can he can he make the jump to the next level. And that's exact. So like 12 and 8 is not a bad first game. I'm not saying he was bad by any means, but it was definitely disappointing, especially all the hype that's been around this Missouri team. And Missouri's been good without him. And there's this just this understanding that like when Michael Porter comes back. Look out! This is like an eight seed that no one wants to play. They're gonna they're gonna beat the one seed. The the way it was framed was that they had this ace in the hole that they had a good solid core mm-hmm. of players, and now we're gonna add this the scoring punch with Me, this star, and, and that is not what he four, offers at all. With, he offers a lot of shots. With four minutes left in the game, it's like a tied game, and yeah. he's on the bench. Yeah, Tillman's uh, out there, Jeremiah and Tillman. Then, so what they do is like after the game, they do the thing where they said he was only sixty five percent. No. They didn't say that. Michael Porter Jr. said that. A man that has had so many doctors looked at him, we don't even know who the yeah. doctors are at this point. Like, Doogie Howser is taking a look at this kid, and he's saying, I'm 65%. Even though, like how, what many, happened? how, how, how many did, quotes do we have of him saying he's 100%? So, he lost 35% <laughs> throughout the course of the game, is what I heard. Do you think like, warming up, he just got so worn out that he was 65? My God, he has no stamina whatsoever, so what's all <laughs> me? Like, he plays one game, and he's down to six. Like, he plays he plays two more games, the man's going to die, Tate. He's going to literally die. Um... Hence R.I.P. Michael Porter. I, I, I just didn't like to backtrack. It was like, we know what's going on here. It you're sounds saying like 65, a cover-up. Yeah, you're saying 65% because you didn't like the way you played, which I don't know. And, he should not have come back and played. And this so, is the point. And we've seen this before. So last year, Harry Giles, friend of the program, has come on the show. The whole year, Harry Giles was in the top five of every draft yes. board that you could see because he was the number one player in the class. Jason Tatum was number two, and he was there. And Tatum was next to him looking unbelievable, looking like a real star in the NBA. But Giles is sitting out there like his knee is at 67%. Yeah. His knee's at now at 73%. Ooh. Some are saying his knee's at 82%. And then he finally comes back, and the guy's averaging like, like 2.8 points per game. Everyone's like, this guy's a bust. Back to 17%. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're like, how do we draft this guy? He has this yeah. one moment in the ACC tournament championship game with the, the breakaway and the big dunk, and then mm-hmm. he ends up getting drafted 19th. But I, I contend that if Harry Joss had sat out the entire season last year for Duke and goes none and done and doesn't play, he's probably a top seven draft yeah, pick. Yeah, right. Just because of the hype. And, and now Michael Michael Porter Jr. has put himself in the same position as Giles where now he's going to get really critiqued and everyone's going to watch that tape because that's the only tape they have. Absolutely. And it's only going to get worse from here because now his next game is going to going to be in the NCAA tournament, which yes. is going to be even more eyeballs on him. An eight more, or nine game, which is a, right, against a another hard, good team. A, a tougher team, a bigger stage, like all that kind of stuff. And dare I say, maybe he's going to hang it up. Maybe that was it. Maybe he knows this. Maybe he's like, shit, that did not go well. And I'm I'm going to say I'm back to 65. Like maybe he's going to throw in a few practices leading up to the NCAA tournament and that 65 just starts chipping down. It's like he rolled his ankle. Now he's at 50%. And then something else happens. Before you know it, he's like 33%. And he's like, I don't I don't think I can go. How's Michael looking tonight? Uh, he's about 10%. This is what, this is what, this is a huge decision on Kwanzo's shoulders because Kwanzo. Kwanzo pulls him. Yeah, Kwanzo, Kwanzo pulls, pulls him to protect the, the, the draft pick. He's right. like, look, Michael, you're 65%. You just told all those media reporters. Right. I'm trying to, to to make sure that me and you are on good terms. So when I have the next five star from your hometown that wants to come to my program, they know I'm going to take care of you. You should just sit out. Jonte's got it. This team's got it. 
Tillman Conzo, can play. Conzo's got a lot of things to weigh. Like, you got to, you know. What's the whole point of Michael Porter Jr. being at Missouri for Conzo? It's to prove that I can get, it's the Calipari method right. of Kentucky. It's like, I have to get John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and this whole group in there to prove that I can do this. The, I can take you to the next level where you're a top 14 draft pick. The Calipari method of, I don't care about my current team. Yes. My, my favorite team that exists is always my, my next year's yes, team. Yes. <laughs> That's always the team that I care the most about is the next year's team. Yeah. So this will be interesting to see how they play it. Um, but I, I so I, I guess the Michael Porter Jr. mystery is it still alive? Is that what you're telling me? It's we still can revive continues. it. Yeah. Yes, bring it back. All right, well l- let's take a break. We'll talk about some more things that have uh, that have left us because the the sadness just continues. Tate, there's just more sadness. We're gonna get to some happy stuff later. But let's take a break. Quick break again to get a word from Yahoo. Yahoo. March is here, which means one thing: it's bracket time. Yahoo Sports Tourney Pick'em is the best place to fill out your bracket all through the Yahoo Fantasy app. Joining a public group is easy, or you could create your own group and play with your friends, or you could join Draymond Green's group like I did for a shot at $25,000. Smackaroos. Do you think that comes out of his contract? Draymond? Yeah. yeah he, he, uh, he pays you in cash. I hope so. I hope yeah. it's in a duffel bag. Don't uh, don't know your college hoops. Neither do we. Yeah. <laughs> Choose one of your autofill brackets. Pick coaches with the highest winning percentage, or party schools, or totally rebel and pick least popular picks. Uh, I guess it's like Canassus or something. I don't know. Canassus. Hold on. Canassus. What are they? What's the name? Yeah, whatever their name is. Kyle, don't are they in your conference? The, is Canassus in your conference? Don't upset the MEAC. Is that okay? Is that, are they in Potsdam's conference? <laughs> All those schools that play like D3 hockey. Uh, there is no wrong way to fill out a bracket in Yahoo Sport, Sports Attorney Pick'em. Don't miss out on March Madness. Get your bracket in before the games tip off March 15th. Build your own bracket now at yahoo.com slash tourney2018. All right, Tate. One more thing uh, that we have to talk about that uh, it, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to dub this like the death episode because like Woody Durham actually did die, and I guess that sort of seems a little strong. We're paying homage like to the, Woody Durham. These guys. This is all in context of, the, of of what it means for the season of college basketball. These are the things that we love that have left us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- I think one more needs to be mentioned, and that is Trey Young. Uh, we have we have hinted at this. We have kind of checked back in on our guy every so often throughout the season. Did a little status update. His, his heart rate monitor was still beeping every so often. We check back in and it's like, yep, still beeping. Trey Young shoots 22 times, <laughs> scores 21 points. Um, I, or maybe I got that backwards against Oklahoma State in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Doesn't matter. Oklahoma is now maybe out of the tournament. Trey Young is flatlined. It's it's over. It doesn't, it's 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 gotta be over. The the, the one hope at this point is that Oklahoma gets the play-in game. Like the the NCAA, the selection committee says we want Oklahoma to play Arizona State in the play-in game because that would be an insane play-in game. It'd be a ton of offense. It'd be really exciting. People would eat that shit up. So that's like the one hope. But I don't think Oklahoma should should belong in the tournament. They, I don't. I, I would say they're out at this point. And they play that game in me. Dayton, right? They put the, yeah. the playing games are Dayton. So if we get that in Dayton, that would be insane, especially for Dayton's obviously not going to be in the tournament this year, missing Archie. So that would be fun for them to have that game. Uh, I think Trey Young, and I call him Young and the Restless, he, he's going to be shook for the next few months because so, he's not going to get this NCAA tournament run, which is really the yeah. defining factor. And, and it goes back to how much stock do you really put into the tournament with these guys? I mean, I, I don't really care about the NBA draft talk when it comes to this sort of stuff. I just sort of want to put it in context of remembering the college basketball season because there was a point in time early January where one of the first four or five things you say about this season was Trey Young. Right. Like it had to be a part of the conversation. It was it was the first thing. It was like the only thing. 
it, this is the Trey Young season, and the, I guess this is the, the, the larger point I want to I want to flesh out here is: Do you think it matters in terms of the National Player of the Year discussion that I don't I don't think there's any question, no matter what happens from here, and I, I guess I should sort of walk that back. Like if something crazy, if Colin Sexton pulls a Kimba and leads Alabama to the national title game, which he's that, slowly which doing in front of our eyes, kind of doing. Um, I guess if that happens, maybe, but like. At, Anything that you could realistically predict to happen from here, no matter what scenario plays out, I think 10 years from now, people will look back on the 2018 season as the Trey Young season. Like, this is his season. He owned the season like Morrison and Reddick owned their season. Like, mm-hmm. the Anthony Davis owned his season. Mm-hmm. Like, Durant like, owned his season. Yeah, like like Grego owned his season, exactly. Mm-hmm. That Durant season. That, yeah. <laughs> um, But no, so I, I think, like, that sort of matters to me because I... That those sorts of things to me, the Jimmer season is another great mm-hmm. example. And the question becomes: Does that matter to you, Tate, in terms of like trying to determine National Player of the Year? Because there's a huge push for Jalen Brunson. I think Jalen Brunson is going to win National Player of the Year, which I am very much against. Jalen Brunson, I don't even think he's the best player on his own team. Mm-hmm. I think Mikael Bridges is the best player on Villanova, um, and I think it's Phil Booth. Yeah, do you think it's Phil Booth? And that like speaks like Jalen Brunson is getting this push for National Player of the uh-huh. Year, and and if you hold a gun to every single person that's like Jalen Brunson is the best player in the country, if you hold a gun to their mm-hmm. head and ask them like, do you really think Jalen Brunson is the best player in the country? No one's gonna say yes unless they're really informed and locked and, in, and, or they're from the Philadelphia. Area. And I'm not even I'm not even saying Trey Young is better than I'm saying if you don't want to do Trey Young, Brunson's not the guy. It's mm-hmm. Deon, have you seen DeAndre Aiden play basketball? Have you seen Marvin Bagley play basketball? I would I would even be willing to like listen to Devontae Graham over Jalen Brunson. And there's nothing against Jalen Brunson. You and I both think Villanova is probably the best team in the country right now. Mm-hmm. We're we we've been on the Villanova thing all year. Like even when they've kind of struggled, we're like I still think they're good. But uh, anyway. So all, all that to be said is that we don't even know, like if you look at the top teams, right? So Virginia, right? Like that's yeah. the best team in the country right now as soon as we wrap up the season. You go to that team, do we have a National Player of the Year candidate? No. No. We don't. Right. So next, we're going to go to Villanova. So I feel like it's a domino yeah, effect yeah. how we're doing it. It's like, well, Trey Young is not going to be the guy now, even though he led the country in, in points and assists all season. Somehow that's been degraded down to he had a shitty season. Like, right. Like people have already gotten to the point where they forget that he still leads the nation in points and rebounds or, or assists, and, assists yeah. and probably averages, you know, four or five rebounds too. I mean, the guy's everywhere and, and runs his whole Oklahoma offense. And now he's almost become undervalued in the in the, in the aspect of the season, which I don't understand. Well, well here's, my, here's my problem with the Jalen Brunson National player of the year campaign is that if someone says Jalen Brunson deserves to be national player of the year my question to them would then be okay make your case and I feel like the very first thing out of everyone's mouth would be like well Trey Young has actually been having a bad second half and I was like has nothing to do with Trey Young Mm -hmm. make your case for Jalen Brunson do not mention Trey Young's name Mm -hmm. make your case for Jalen Brunson they'd be like well you know Villanova's had been a really good program he's just steady he plays good defense he's averaging like 19 points that's pretty good you know but if you did like a draft of players in this college basketball season no one in their right mind is taking Jalen Brunson number one and no one freaking Jay Wright wouldn't even take Jalen Brunson number one he would take Mikael Bridges he's better you think Phil Booth's better I mean I really really like Jalen Brunson I would want Jalen Brunson to be the point guard of my team please Jalen please make that happen Uh, there's nothing against him it's just I, I find the national player of the year discussion very fascinating because even if Jalen Brunson sweeps the awards, and it feels like he's going to, it feels like that's become the pick. Mm-hmm. He's got the late momentum push. Um, well, no one's going to remember this as the Jalen Brunson year. Everyone's going to forget. They're going to be like, oh shit, 
Trey Young didn't win National Player of the Year, mm-hmm. so like Bagley won it. It's mm-hmm. like, well, actually, Bagley didn't win it either. He's like the he's like Alondo Tucker. That, that it's like we got Durant and Odin, mm-hmm. and then everyone's voting for Alondo Tucker from Wisconsin because they're like having a great year, and he's just the steady score. You're like, what the f- what? <laughs> yeah, it's an individual award, yeah. and I think that's what's happening right now. When I was talking about the domino effects, we're we're trying to give an individual award to a great team. A team we're yeah. trying to. It's like we're doing the yeah. Cal Guy thing. We're like, what's the face of this team? Okay, well, he deserves the award for this. Yeah, I think the the best argument that you have, and th- these are two different cases, and they're totally separate. Devontae Graham is a great argument, and I and I could see where people were like, well, Devontae Graham is the worst version of Jalen Brunson. I think the reason that he has a case is fourteen straight conference titles. I yeah. know that nobody cares about this sort of stuff anymore, and people, you know, kind of think it's a diatribe to try to beckon back to the John Wooden days. But to break any record that John Wooden or Pete Maravich or any of these guys from that time, you've done something phenomenal, especially in the modern era. And Devontae Graham was the face of Kansas basketball and basically had to take over a team where he had been second fiddle forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy completely switched roles. And a lot of times, I mean, we've seen that even with this Carolina team this year with Joel Berry. Joel Berry is the number one guy. Justin Jackson was number one on scouting reports last year. Right. That's why Joel Berry inherently became he the number became one the guy, guy because yeah, yeah. they were guarding Justin Jackson as the number one guy. Graham's been guarded like the number one guy. He's played out of his mind. He, he, he's he been assisting at a level that I have never seen him. I mean, I mean his energy is unbelievable. The What he's done in Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, obviously, we saw this Oklahoma State game, and, and he didn't play his best. But that team around him, I mean, they have no big men, really. I mean, Azubuke has been hurt. They lost Billy Preston. Like, it's a guard-oriented team, and he has to lead that team. And I, I think there's a huge case to be made for Graham and what he's been able to right. do as the number one guy. But all that aside to say, I could see where you could put Graham and Brunson in the same argument. You throw them to the side. You're like, these are the two senior leaders. They have great teams. That's, that's his own conversation. Bagley's the guy. Bagley has to be the and, guy. And, and I say this as, you know, as apologetic as I can to anyone that really cares about Carolina basketball, but Marvin Bagley has been sensational from day one. And mm. I remember when Harrison Barnes came out and he came into school and everyone, he was the first guy that was an AP first team All-American and people lost their shit. And, and he didn't live up to that at all. But Marvin Bagley has been first team All-American since he got the first pass yes. at Cameron Indoor. He has been unstoppable. He has looked otherworldly. He has looked like he does not belong in college basketball. He has looked like he floats in the air. He has looked like a relic pulled out of the past of a supreme talented basketball player and he's thrown into modern basketball. It doesn't even look like it's believable. I've seen the guy play in real life and I thought he looked Mm. like because he shot threes the entire time. And then I watched him play at Duke and I'm like, the guy wasn't even playing basketball when I watched him play. He's just screwing around, having a good time. He can take it up to another level he had 33 and 17 yesterday. Yeah. And he's only going to do that even more. And, and I say this all as a precursor until they play North Carolina later today. And I'm probably going to be, you know, echoing the sentiment after he dominates that game. He's unstoppable. He's got to be the national player of the year at this point. And I don't understand how there's any well, other argument. Well, I guess like it, that speaks to the the whole um, idea of the buzz around a certain player and how I said this is the Trey Young season. There have been moments. I've had moments with you. I've had moments with other friends of mine that follow college basketball where I would like text them, did you see what Bagley just did? Yeah. Are you are you seeing this? And I've I've done that with Bagley. I've done that with DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. I've done that with Trey Young. Mm-hmm. When when was Jalen Brunson's moment? He's had good games. He's had very good games. He at Marquette, I think I want to say he like lit up Marquette for 30 something. Like he's had good games, but I don't feel like Jalen Brunson eclipsed that level where it was like Everybody shut everything down. Please stop everything you're doing. Go to Twitter and look at what Jalen Brunson did last night or anything like that. And Bagley's had five or six games like that where it's just like, who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? 
who is his daddy and what does he do? <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And and not only that, I mean, the guy has a lottery pick next. I, I think the the thing with Trey Young is it hurts him because he has a team, right? It hurts yeah. him because like the, the, the season kind of just collapses on top of him. But like Wendell Carter sitting next to Marvin Bagley, like you have another lottery pick right next to you. You have Bolden coming off the bench, which is apparently going to be a guy that's going to be drafted in the NBA someday. I don't necessarily believe that, but people do. You have Grace Nallon, who people believe will be in the NBA one day. Right. I don't believe that. Other people do. He has all this quote-unquote talent around him, and he is still heads yeah. and shoulders above everyone he's, else. He's. I, I've said it to you. I've said it to others. He is... I haven't felt like this with a player since Anthony Davis that I watch him on a college basketball court and I said he has no business being it's on a college basketball court. It's 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 unf- get him out. He's got to go. If if this was like if this was like a 6th grade rec team like all the dads would conspire against like this guy play. We got we got to figure out a way to get him out of this league. Like you got he's ineligible. There's something going on. Get him out of here. And I say all this to say He's not even supposed to be playing college basketball. Yeah, he's supposed to still be in high school. He's supposed to be in high school. He's <laughs> but doing no, this at this level, and he's supposed to be in high that, school. I guess that's the other part that's awesome about Bagley is like just how great of a student he is that he could skip an entire <laughs> an entire year of high school, transfer across the country to one of the most prestigious like smart private guy. schools smart in, guy. in the country. That's that's amazing. He really puts the student student athlete that mm. Marvin Bagley. We mm. love that. I think um, he puts the bag so in Bagley. Who, he's your he's your national player of the year. Bagley is. I think Bagley has to be. I think a national I player think I would go Bagley too. I would I would go. I would probably go Bagley to Trey Young one A one B. I still I still believe in. I mean the stats are insane. I can't get over that. Um, but Bagley is probably my guy at this point. And I will say uh, he I won ACC he won ACC Player of the Year. And I even argued on this podcast. I didn't think he deserved to win it because he missed four ACC games. Yeah. But then I looked at the numbers, and he still was at the top yeah. of all his stuff, and he right. missed four games. And then you, right. you just can't even make the argument. It's just been unbelievable. Right. Remember when we thought Bagley might sit out the rest of the year? Those are those are more fun times, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> By God, Marvin, sit out. Marvin, what are you doing? Sit Marvin, out. please sit out tonight before the Tar Heels play. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to play. You're you a top five pick. Um, speaking of them playing, like, so f- for those that are, are listening, we're recording this before the Duke Carolina game. If you're wondering why we're not talking about how Marvin Bagley ripped Tatart out yet again, for the second time in like what just five no, six days. <laughs> just know I'm wearing an Ed Cota jersey, yeah. and all I'm thinking about is Woody Durham quotes. Trust me when I say we're going to get to that on the next pod when we talk about <laughs> Marvin Bagley, how he did disgusting. No, it'll days. be Selection Sunday. Yeah, we'll forget true. about we'll it. Forget, we'll forget we'll about move it. on. Um, so uh, the the ACC tournament's going on, the SEC tournament's going on, the Big East tournament's going on. Um, my question to you, Tate, is I know you're an ACC guy. Mm-hmm. Which tournament? Is it the ACC that has caught your... Take North Carolina out. Take your alma mater out of it. Pretend that they don't exist. Which tournament to you right now that's going on right now has your attention the most? I think it's between the SEC and the ACC. And I think the cool thing to do now is because all these years... It's sort of like what the ACC is in football now. It's like the second... The second conference, the the second premier conference that always been kind of like tossed to the side, like, well, they're not the ACC. Like the SEC is now is like the cool pick, the trendy pick to talk about SEC teams. Like, well, wait, do you see Auburn? You yeah, know? yeah, right. But that's what everyone's doing now. So there's a lot of interest, more interest, as I'd say. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. obviously draws eyeballs to the SEC. Um, to me, though, I think it has to be the ACC tournament because it, it's been in Brooklyn. And yeah, it, it's been, yeah, the heart of ACC the country. The heart of ACC Brooklyn. country. But yeah. it, there was actually a moment, um, and I want to talk about Notre Dame a little bit, and I want to talk about our guy, Matty Ice. Please, uh, let's, let's keep the theme going of just things that I love that are leaving me. And, yeah. A man that's leaving college basketball that we both love, and uh, it's a tag team duo, one of the best in the country. Matty Ice Farrell, Matt Farrell, and uh, his partner in crime, mm. Bonzi Colson. Um 
Notre Dame, they made a nice little run. And, and I, I will start with this. First of all, RIP Matt Farrell. And this is how I didn't want him to go out. And this is how he went out. First of all, he went out losing to Duke, uh, which was terrible. But he also went out doing a Duke thing, you know, to Virginia Tech. And what he did was yeah. uh, Chris Clark, uh, we all love his hairdo. He's unbelievable for uh, Virginia Tech. He's amazing. Um, ha- had some big moments this season. It's a tie basketball game. There's a foul called. Chris Clark has the ball in his hand. Matt Farrell, and we've seen this at a YMCA pickup. You see this all the time. There's just like a super aggressive guy, usually white, that's trying to be scrappy. <laughs> and he's trying to do something to get on your nerves, like yeah. a little thing to get under and pry your skin a little bit. So he comes over and he rips the ball out of Chris Clark's hands. And so Clark sits there for a second and he's like, dude, back up. So he pushes him like, dude, get out of here. Like, back up. Yep. You don't need to do that. And Matt Farrell... <sighs> Pulls an Eddie Redmayne and literally just falls into the cameras as if he just got pushed as hard as he can by like a freaking Wendell Carter or something. And he flops all the way back into the cameras. He acts like he's hurt. They get a technical foul on Chris Clark. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame makes the free throw, gets the ball back. That's the end of the game. That's how Virginia Tech loses the game. And Chris Clark, after the game, he said, he's talking about Matt Farrell. He said, he's a flopper. He flopped really hard. He sold it to the refs. It's a tech. I wasn't surprised, but I'm impressed with the show he put on, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a pretty direct quote. And I say all this to say I'm a man and a fan of Duke basketball and what it used to be. That, that They're a relic of the past. They're not Are the you? same. They've sold their soul once again uh, to this new age of basketball and college basketball. Notre Dame is carrying the water for for what Duke used Ooh, to okay. be. And so is Mike Bray. And this, was one, this is one of the best flops I've seen as far as impacting a game. Uh, I was not a fan of it because I'm not a fan of flopping. But just the fact that this guy was able, Matt Farrell, our guy, Matty Ice, to flip a game entirely jumping into cameras to sell a push after he initiated the whole mm. thing. It was a very Duke move. I hate it that that's the last thing I, I'm going to see him do in college well, basketball, but luckily it, it's not. Is it? Because the silver lining to this is our dream of Matt Farrell and Bonzi mm-hmm. Colson playing in the three-on-three tournament that we're hosting at the Final Four is very much alive. Notre Dame is not making the tournament. I want a Notre Dame in the tournament because mm-hmm. they're fun. I like Matt Farrell. I did, like you said. He's just like... I love Matt Farrell. I don't know what happened this season. What I, 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 I hash it up to Matt? injuries. What I, happened? Do you think it was the disease of Moore? <laughs> <laughs> he just had so many elite you know eights. I He's think, just like, screw it. I think he was more interested in doing humanitarian work than basketball. <laughs> That's That was my take. It was just he was <laughs> he was more interested. What He's got to get his priorities straight. You're right. Um, right. Yeah, so <laughs> Bonzi Colson comes back. Like Notre Dame was playing well. I really thought like we had something special in them mm-hmm. in this ACC tournament. They were going to beat Duke. I, th- I thought they had the run in them to, to make the tournament. They're not going to make the tournament. They're on nope. the wrong side of the bubble. I don't even think they're really on the bubble at this point. I think most people are like, yeah, they're very much out. Uh, I think everyone had them just on the list to be nice. Yeah, like, just it's sort, a, yeah. sort of like we know Mike Bray's a good talent. guy. Yeah, Mike, Mike Bray's a, a good guy. guy. Um, but they are going to be in the three-on-three tournament, hopefully. Uh, I, I have a... Because... F- I mean, I have a feeling your Carolina boys are going to try to steal a spot because they're not making a final. We know that. So, like, Joel Berry and Theo Pinson are going to try to get a spot. Do you, you hear that, do you think Grayson? Do you think Grayson's going to play in it? What? Because like Grayson out, like they put out the watch list, the three on three watch list. Yeah, the and- four people that are on the ACC team are Theo Pinson, Joel Berry, uh, Grayson Allen, and Bonzi Colson, which is a an immaculate four. I mean, that's a yeah, foursome. That's a, that's a good. Foursome. That's a fearsome foursome. But there's no way that all four of those guys are ever going to be there. We know Bonzi will probably be there. Is Grayson really going to play in this if Duke loses and the, and doesn't make the Final Four? There's zero percent chance. One right? can only hope that Grayson plays, trips someone in front of us. That'd be awesome. And then we get to interview him. You know, a first reaction. That'd be awesome. Um, so the answer to my own question I had for you is which tournament uh, you're most excited yeah, about. Yeah, which tournament are you most excited I, about? I, I know I'm which one you're most excited about. SEC. Of course. 100% See? SEC. 
And typical journalist. What's funny is that I didn't really, I, I, I wasn't really on the SEC this year. Like the SEC was good, but the SEC to me was a bunch of B, B plus teams, and they were all pretty good. Like, oh, you mean like Auburn and Tennessee who won the league? Yeah. Yes. Like there, nothing exciting. Like I, I will, I will, I will acknowledge that, you know, the eighth best team in the SEC would beat the shit out of the eighth best team in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like the Big Ten was more interesting because you actually have teams that can win the national title and you actually have... So I like never felt like there's a reason to really watch the SEC other than every now and then to make jokes about Kentucky, whether mm-hmm. they were doing well or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been great, man. Michael Porter Jr.'s back. Yes. And now he, he lost. His He's actual out. back or He's he out. is back. Uh, Colin Sexton, we, we need to call our shot now. Colin mm-hmm. Sexton... It's, it's giving us Kimba vibes. We were on the Bill Simmons podcast hosted by Bill Simmons. Um, <laughs> we were on his podcast and he was asking us sort of like sleeper teams we like in the NCAA tournament. And we brought up Alabama mm-hmm. because you and I are on the same page with this. They they check the Kimba Walker boxes of the team that plays great defense and has like the stud guard that you just throw the ball to and say, go score for us. And right? let's be honest. We also love bringing up any team that has a former NBA coach in college yes. basketball because it blows Bill's part. mind. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's like, like, what? what? Avery Johnson. <laughs> Avery Johnson. What? Uh, so we bring him up, but then it also, it, it also looks like a little ballsy of a pick because Alabama's uh-huh. on the wrong side of the bubble. Yes. But what happens, State? The SEC tournament starts. Colin Big Dick Sexton. Oh my God, this man. The floater heard around the roll. I mean, the finger roll. Yeah, the finger, he finger rolls the finger it for roll. the win. He scored it so from the free throw he line. He scores the first bucket to to put Alabama ahead. And uh-huh. he, he scored to give Alabama 69 points. Sexton scored to, to score 69. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, then Alabama gives up the layup to, to, to they lose the lead. We're like, shit, there it goes. Like, is Alabama in? You and I are looking at each other like, do we, what's going to happen here? Sexton just takes the ball, shoots a finger roll. Unbelievable. Unbelievable shot. Wins it at the buzzer for Alabama. And and like the swag that he has, and this is why we love him, yes. is like he's a B plus talent. He's 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 limited with his abilities. But my God, is that man confident in himself? And he's so fun to watch. And then he follows it up today, hangs 31 and 7 on Auburn, mm-hmm. on the number one seed Auburn Tigers. Mm-hmm. Gets Bruce Pearl pissed off. Bruce Pearl tries to fight Alabama's <laughs> strength coach after the game. I'm into this SEC tournament, man. We got Kentucky playing. Like they were tied with Georgia as we started recording this. I don't know what's going on there. Is Mark Fox saving his job? I'm so into this. You got Sean Farnham and Joe Tessator calling these games. I'm here for you. You got Andy Kennedy or uh uh yeah. Yeah, Andy Kennedy, old miss. Andy Kennedy Great, is doing guy. he's doing studio work and and they said they said they they threw it to him after one of these games and he said, Oh, it was after the Missouri game, after Missouri mm-hmm. misses the three. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looks in the camera and he's like, Well, you know. This is a make or miss game, you know. Like, or, or, this is a, this is our make or miss shots business that we're in. Yes. And you know how I feel about that. Like, I'm a make or miss guy as well. Yes. So he says that I'm like, dude, this SEC tournament just sucked me in. So I'm I'm here for the SEC tournament, man. I don't blame you. Uh, speaking of Calipari, we, we saw like a little quick a uh, little clip that they showed when he was at practice and he splits the two teams up and he's talking about Quade Quade Green and I thought this was nice. He said he needs to conquer himself and he's going to have a 25 30 point outing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we, we always make it? fun of the Trey the Trey Young like stat tracker where they do his points to the side. We should do that for Quade Green for the let rest of the tournament. Out, let me look at how many points Quade Green has right now cuz again, we're recording this live. We'll give we'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. We're recording this as the the Kentucky Georgia game is going on. Uh let me let me pull that I just wonder if that's ever worked for Cal. Has he ever like promised a player on his team that they're going to have a 25 to 30 point 
one outing and then it actually happened because it seems like he's just giving Quad A Green the green light to go out there and shoot a bunch of shots. <laughs> and that sounds terrible. <laughs> hold on, hold on. How many is he hold on. First of all, first of all, this is great. I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this live. So <laughs> Kentucky's up 54 to 41. There's uh-huh. about six 642 left, according to my phone. I don't know. Maybe I maybe my service is a little behind. But Kentucky's up 13. So I'm like, oh, there's, I'm, I go to click on the score. Maybe mm. maybe Quaddy's having a good game yes, after all. Let's see what course. he's doing. Quaddy Green stats. Zero points, <laughs> zero rebounds, one assist, three fouls. He's 0 for 5. <laughs> this man promised that Quade was going to have a 25 to 30 point game. You know he had con- so I guess he hasn't conquered himself you yet. You know what this tells me? Cal in the post game, he's going to he's gonna talk. Quade is definitely one of his kids. He is not one yeah. of his guys. This is a these kids game from Quade he's Green. He's like, we got one kid out there, Green, that uh, <laughs> we, we thought guys. he was going to have a big day today, but didn't quite put it together. Um, <laughs> oh, I really shit. love that. So, yeah, I think there's been a lot of good storylines at the SC tournament. I, I think the main one, though, is Sexton is going to take over uh, the, like the whole country pretty soon. I think so. Like, if they win this SEC tournament leading in, like, we're going to get the full live shot with Alabama and Avery Johnson. Avery's going to be everywhere talking to people on ESPN. Like right. this is going to be the first time that the Alabama program under Avery is going to be at the forefront of conversation. Right. And I'm really excited about it. Um let's take one more break. We'll come back. Um we're going to Kyle's Kyle's like waving Kyle, like what are you doing? Hold on. He says the checker phones. Oh shit. You see this tape? What is it? So, Jeff Goodman has just tweeted. A good man, friend of the program. Rick Pitino hires agent Tells ESPN he wants to coach again and will turn everything, phone records, emails, voice <laughs> messages, over to any school that wants to hire him. Oh, we got, so we'll talk about that in a second. All the, breaking the things, news. all the things that he hasn't deleted already. Perfect. <laughs> breaking, we're going to talk about that in a second. We got to take this break, though. Hang on. Quick break to talk about Sportsbook Review. Listen up, Hoop fans. Did you know March Madness continues to be one of the most heavily bet events of the year? It's true. A lot of money, a lot of action, as they say in the gambling circles on uh, March Madness games. With so much action packed into a short time frame, sports bettors have hundreds of options and games to choose from at any given moment. And Sportsbook Review is your go-to resource for all the sports betting this season. From free picks and predictions to live comparisons of betting odds, Sportsbook Review puts the power back into the better's hand by providing you with the information you need to come out a winner. Plus, Sportsbook Review takes it a step further by offering you full profiles, reviews, and ratings for hundreds of betting sites. See past the marketing gimmicks and flashy signs. Sportsbook Review's goal is to help you find the perfect betting site to match your personal needs. Head over to Sportsbook Review today to get in on the action. For a limited time, visit sportsbookreview.com slash ringer to find expert predictions, live odds, and access to exclusive bonus promotions at A-plus rated sportsbooks. Again, that is sportsbookreview.com slash ringer. Back to this Rick Patino news that we have to sort through. All right, Tate, we got to call an audible here. We had some other stuff planned, but uh, this is this is kind of massive news. You and I have been on the Rick Patino beat for uh, um, a little while. Mm-hmm. Jeff Goodman, who friend of the program, we we make fun of him a lot on here because he's easy to make fun of for his journalistic integrity. Going over to Lithuania, he's been cut out by the Bar- Ball family, Tate. LeVar Ball said, I, I'm going to freeze out Jeff Goodman. No more interviews. I'm done with him. And Jeff Goodman, like he, he delivered his lines perfectly in that scripted. <laughs> that you were, you were telling me film. that he was like a part of the reality show that they announced yeah, yeah, that they were yeah. getting rid of him. So it's one of those things. He's like the Scott Disick of the, the, Le, yeah, the LeVar Ball absolutely. show. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he's been, and, and he, he reads his lines perfectly when LeVar asked him to. <laughs> um, he's been cut off of the balls. He's had his balls cut off. And so now I guess he's on the Rick Pitino beat and he breaks this news. And and I don't this is all I know. This is all I'm seeing is what Kyle texted us. 
hires an agent, tells ESPN he wants to coach again and will turn everything, phone records, emails, voice message over to any school that wants to hire him. What do we make of this? First thought to me is, first of all, Rick Pitino didn't have an agent. Yeah, who was the guy that called the, the press conference in the first place? Was Rick Pitino so in the bag at Adidas that he didn't even have an agent? He, he's, like, he's, he's like, I don't want to cut up any of this shit. He's like, nobody's getting any of these percentages. Uh, so that's crazy that Rick Pitino's never had an agent. I guess he's just always been so you know marketable. He didn't need yeah. anyone to go in the room for him. Um, so that's interesting to me. The second thing is, all right, if this is an FBI case, right, don't they have the right to all of his messages and yes. all of his email. So that's like their evidence. Right. So now he is saying that he is, instead of giving it to the FBI, is he just trying to trying to set this thing up where he's like, I can't give it to you. I gave it to Arizona state. I, I can't I, give it to you. I gave it to USC. I can't give it to oh, you. So he's trying to, he's trying to just give it to someone else. He's trying to, trying to misplace the evidence. Hmm. I, I thought that the FBI would already have his evidence. I don't think they point. have it. They don't have, like, they what, don't have it. And what, and, and a, a guy voluntarily, like, I'm confused by who is buying this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm going to volunteer. Like Pepperdine. I'm going to voluntarily turn over all of my stuff as though there is any chance in hell that there would actually be incriminating stuff and he would volunteer. Like if, there's, if there is something incriminating, because we should say there is a chance that Rick Pitino, completely innocent in everything that's ever happened. He, he slipped on a banana peel in that Italian restaurant and... Next thing you know, one thing led to another, and he found himself in a sticky situation. That could have been the case, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if that is true, and and he he's completely he's completely innocent. Like who is buying this that he would just that 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 there's any scenario where he just willingly gives up everything? And I don't I don't know what I'm who saying. wants to read this. Who who wants to go through the process of like. Okay, Rick, thanks. We want to hire you, but first, let me go through all of your text messages, right. emails, <laughs> phone calls for the next 20 what minutes. What kind of pervert wants to yeah, say yeah, something yeah. Like that? I don't want to see your sext. I don't want to see you talking to Colin Sexton. I don't want to see any of this stuff that you've been doing over the past few years. Like, what the f*** is that, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> Were you just giving me homework? Oh, man. I hope he comes back. He, he, why does this man want to coach so badly? There, there are other ways to get vindication that you're well, after. Let's be honest. The 2013 thing, I don't even think it's the FBI. I don't even think it's being fired. I don't think it's the FBI. I don't think that's that's bothered Rick at all. I think that that it's has the, all gone over his shoulder. I yeah. think not obviously not being at Louisville hurts him a little bit, but the thing that hurts him is losing that 2013 title. Right. And I think all he really cares about is somehow getting another chance, getting to his get Steve Fisher back. opportunity to go somewhere else find someone and then just really make a run. I mean, he's trying to do like what Larry Brown did, which is like, I just need one last hurrah. Get and hired by a Penny Hardaway in Memphis? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> That's another example. Like, what if Rick Pitino just goes and is like the second in command, like what Steve Robinson does, where you just like, yeah. you're a former head coach and you just sit next down would you know, in a big program? So if you're, a head coach, if you're a head coach, would you hire Rick Pitino to be your top assistant and trust how much, give me a percentage a number on how much you would trust that he's not trying to stab you in the back and take your job. Let me let's be honest. <laughs> force you out. He would be the one-eyed monster looming over your shoulder, <laughs> waiting for you People to forget. die. He's blind. How's, he is blind in one eye. On. Now here's the question: Can we get a physical with all of this evidence? Ooh, because pretty, yeah. Rick has made it clear mm-hmm. his health is struggling. Left eye not going to work. He's blind in one eye, mm-hmm. as you said. The he is the one-eyed, the one-eyed monster. monster. If if he cannot see, how can he coach? Or is his eye better now? Did did he did he, did his eye magically heal <laughs> after the press conference? Also, you have to you have to also factor in the nine eleven weighing on oh, him. Oh, the building, his yeah. friend. Yeah, he's got all that. He's got a lot of emotional so, like, baggage how, and actual baggage of text messages and coach, printed out emails that he has to give you. Can he coach in the, under those circumstances? I, you know, nine eleven as of 
two weeks ago was still weighing on him very heavily. It does seem a little ironic that as soon as the pit job opens up, mm, Rick Pitino is quick to put out there that not only does he have an agent that you can call and reach out to him, but he's also willing to put all of his dirty laundry out there to the world. He's like, I am not afraid for any program to see what I've been doing, you know? And they're like, Rick, we really don't want to know what you've been doing. <laughs> We'd rather not know. Whatever it takes not to know what you've been doing, Rick. And he's still going to put it in their face. Is there any chance that he ends up at at a power school? I, I, I honestly, I think there is. I think there's a chance that, because like, if you actually, so I, I've been listening to Dick Vitale too much. Um, I'm getting sucked into the uh, Rick May be innocent thing. But I think everybody's innocent. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> is, is everyone innocent? What if everyone's oh, innocent? What if we're the bad guys, Dave? Um, no, like I think I think he Rick is going like he's very adamant about getting back into coaching. We know this. He's made it clear. He he is going to spend every cent he has. He's going to spend every second he has trying to figure out a way to to he's he's whether he's innocent or not. He's going to do just an image overhaul and and say like. Hire the best lawyers that he needs mm. to prove that the dirt that people have on him isn't really dirt at all. That's what he's going to try to do. Is it be like, listen, you know how everyone is freaking out about the Sean Miller thing? How about you take a look at my case and the Brian Bowen situation? I'm not implicated like everyone thinks I am. And then people are going to like actually look at that and be like, yeah, it's a good point. Like, I guess he does actually sort of have an alibi with the Brian Bowen thing. And then they're going to look, they're going to look at that one and be like, okay, we see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at the prostitute thing and they're going to be like, Okay, I sort of I sort of see what you're saying, Rick. Like you're not directly implicated. You did, you know, that was your rogue assistant that did this. Yeah, who's I guess to I say. Guess, yeah, who's to say? Mm-hmm. They're gonna look at the Italian restaurant and be like, Wait, eh. what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll forgive that. We can forget we can look past that. Well, listen, we're not hiring you to be a good guy. We're hiring you to win <laughs> basketball games. So I actually think there's a shot like like an Ole Miss, for example. Mm-hmm. I think Ole Miss, like a, a program like that that like doesn't really have a ton of history, is in a bag dropping conference you're saying all these things and i think you're bearing the lead we just talked you just brought up memphis oh that's true you just oh, brought up memphis oh, oh shit and, and everyone's Ole talking Miss, about memphis you're... with penny hardaway and rick patino <laughs> and, larry brown? and larry brown oh my god dude we gotta make this happen Did how do we imagine? make this happen holy shit oh, so you man. have so the report everywhere. for those because a, a lot of people listen to us that don't follow college basketball we should we should give them the the peg here of what the story we're talking about Reports are servicing that Penny Hardaway is yes. making a run at the Memphis job that doesn't is not open. As yes. of now. Yeah, poor Tubby Smith's like winning games <laughs> for Memphis like, on buzzer beaters. I want a goddamn national title. <laughs> what is like, happening here? Can I get some respect? Like literally, can I get any respect from you guys? You guys let Josh Pastner just sit around here so, and do nothing yeah. for five years and you guys are being mean to me. Everybody's scheming to get Tubby Smith out of Memphis, <laughs> including Penny Hardaway, who lest anyone forget, mm. played Butch McCray in the movie Blue Chips. Yes. Was, literally played a character that was the recipient of bag drops and is now trying to get a head coaching job. In college it, it was basketball. like, is, is my mom going to lose her job if I leave school? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so he's going to Memphis. Dude, if we got Patino, Patino's got to go to Ole Miss. It has to happen. Patino versus Penny and Larry and and the other part of the story, yes. by the way, was was uh, Penny Hardaway is talking about putting Larry Brown on staff for guidance and counsel, and, and we know that Larry Brown has been in China coaching. I, we talked about it on the podcast before, and and if he was able to get back into college basketball in whatever backhanded way it is, and I think oh my I would love for Rick Patino and Larry Brown to start a new trend where we get. 
these just really well, well-renowned coaches that have sort of like fallen by the wayside. Like, yeah. what if Jim Calhoun came back and was an assistant coach or something? Incredible. You know, and Gary Williams came back and was just like your top assistant. Bob Knight gives it one more run. He's <laughs> like, I got one more season in me. He comes back with Pat. It's like the one, two, three, just sitting on the bench. Uh I, I just think this is a whole new trend that could possibly happen in college basketball. And there's nothing better, you know? There's it's, really nothing better. It, 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 oh, my God. If if, if Rick Pitino <laughs> goes to Ole Miss, and it could actually happen. It could happen. Rick Pitino goes to Ole Miss. Penny Hardaway goes to Memphis. That mm-hmm. is going to be the greatest robbery college basketball has ever seen. And I, the, the best thing, I have this pulled up <sighs> now about this uh, this agent that he hired. So the guy, Bazant, that he hired – he reps a bunch of TV analysts too, so people have uh, implied that maybe Rick's yeah. trying to get on TV. So that was that was asked, and no, he rules out he's not going. He's not to trying TV. to. <laughs> he's trying to get he's a job get as a head coach. Coaching. So that's a that's a good qualifier for Rick Patino is back, folks. Oh so we God. lose Stallings, but we get Patino possibly back. We maybe get Larry Brown back. See, it's all turnover. As you it's lose true. things, you gain things in life. From the ashes, there rise. There's always another coach for us. The Phoenix. It's, it's, yeah, the Phoenix. The rises. one-eyed monster, Rick Patino. Um, I love it. I just checked on Quaddy Green stats, by the way. He still has zero points. Still zero. Good for Quaddy. Um, Rick Patino, we love you. Please come back to us. What uh, do you have any shout outs before we go? Yeah, let's do some a couple shout outs. First off, I want to shout out uh, Roy Williams uh, and Theo Pinson in their press conference yesterday. Theo Pinson. Theo Pinson, my nickname for him. Hundred uh, percent from three. We we've always joked about Theo not being able to make threes. He, he didn't miss that game. Didn't miss. From three, oh my God. and the man's jacking like fadeaway threes. Like these are just if, like wide open. If you're playing North Carolina, offense. if you're playing North Carolina, and Theo Pinson hits his second three against you, it's game over. Quit. Yeah, see just you later. Quit. I would just at that point, it's just like just save our energy. I'm, you know, <laughs> we're going home. We're going folks. home. Uh, so Roy started the press conference after they win the game yesterday against Miami, and he goes, "You know, it was a weird game. Not really sure what happened out there, but glad the boys came out with the win." And meanwhile, Theo, this is the best game of his entire career. He's been there four years with Roy Williams. They, they have a little bit of a, a back and forth relationship, kid around a bunch. And uh, Theo goes, "He would say it was a weird game when I have twenty five and eleven, <laughs> and it was hilarious." Uh, so shout out to Theo Pinson. Theo Pinson, I want to shout out Kevin O'Neill, mm. um, who was doing work. Kevin O'Neill, my favorite Kevin O'Neill story. Used to be how he he appeared in Hoop Dreams, and mm-hmm. he was recruiting the guys mm-hmm. in Hoop Dreams. And he goes into the living room, and they show, so and they show Kevin O'Neill giving his recruiting pitch, and he p- puts the video in the VCR, and it plays <laughs> Marquette basketball highlights to the song. I've had the time of my life. Is like, Chris Farley in it? And this this man is an inner city Chicago trying to recruit with that video. That used to be my favorite Kevin O'Neill story. My new favorite Kevin O'Neill story is that he was doing uh, studio desk work mm-hmm. for the Pac-12 Network. I think they were on location. I think it was like a situation where they're like outside of the arena at Vegas, um, but they got the little desk set up. Kevin O'Neill's in the on the at the desk doing the pregame, postgame work. He is wearing Tate three rings, mm. like three championship massive size rings on on his two hands. And um I just want to shout out Kevin O'Neill. He's working hard to tell the people like I have one things. Lest anyone forget, I have one things. And I coached at Arizona and I did not drop bags and you did not give me the job. It was an interim thing. How dare you? That's like me wearing a resume on my chest or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty much what he's doing with his hands there, which is very strange. I want to shout out Yante Maiden. Uh, this is a man that I mispronounced his name for two years, uh, <laughs> and now I'm all in on Yante Maiden. Great game against Michael Porter Jr. yesterday. I know George is about to lose Kentucky, but just shout out to Yante Maiden. Uh, shout out to John Rothstein. Trademarked, this is March. Mm-hmm. His world-famous catchphrase, this is March. Um, you're not really a Rothstein guy. Yeah, you we were very offended this. when I was like, I don't really care. Yeah, like, how can you not be a Rustin guy? <laughs> I don't care. 
<laughs> that's for, that's Rostein for the media. Rostein makes college. There's nothing better than trolling John Rostein and him not understanding that you're trolling him. <laughs> he's he's my favorite robot in the world. I love him so much. Uh-huh. Darren Rovell was the one who broke the John Rostein news, mm-hmm. and it felt like streams were crossing. Like you could have convinced <laughs> me that they were the same person, and like Darren Rovell just kind of like morphs into Rostein that's during college basketball yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, but. Then he broke the news, and I was like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? They're two different people? What is what is this? But, uh, yeah, John Rothstein is trademarked. This mm. is March. So uh, we're going to have to, you know, every time we say that phrase, we're going to have to pay him. And and speaking of, we, we want to trademark something ourselves. Merch Madness. Ooh, Merch Madness. We have no merch to give out. Uh, there, there's our update on merch, but we want to trademark Merch Madness. Yeah. So if anyone can do that for us, just do it. I want to shout out uh, Tad Boyle, Colorado coach, who oh, yeah. tore his calf Um trying to break up a fight between Arizona State and Colorado. Uh, runs out onto the court. That's awesome. Remind me of, uh, remember when Ron Hunter, the coach of uh, mm-hmm. Georgia State, like... <laughs> RJ's dad. Yeah, RJ's dad. <laughs> he did the same thing, sort of. Uh, so, tore his calf, doing that. And then you, you didn't even bring up Roy trying to tear a suit jacket. Yeah, I saw that. I, I don't really, I don't, I, what was I don't that? understand that. What, how does, I, yeah. and, and explain to me how a man, so if you missed it, Roy Williams gets upset during the Syracuse game, tries to tear a suit jacket in half, which like, Kind of weird. It so, doesn't make a lot of sense. But here's the question, Tate. Mm-hmm. This is a man who we know has struggled with vertigo through the years, mm-hmm. is, is is prone to a dizzy spell. He gets he gets too, you know, he, he does something that's too strenuous. The man is passing out. He's falling over. But I noticed he didn't fall over when he tried to tear the jacket in half. And I also noticed North Carolina is sort of playing well. And it's been a little while since Roy Williams has passed out during a game. Weird. It's weird how that works. He goes on a lot of walks. He stays in good shape. Oh, okay. uh, that's what Coach Williams does. I, I think what what I heard was so last year. You remember the Malik Monk Kentucky game out in Vegas? Oh, the, the oh CBS boy, do classic, I. the forty seven pointer. Yeah, everyone hey, remembers. I was that. there. Uh, Roy threw his there. jacket in that game. People forget, and he hit seventh Woods in the eye. Uh, like he like threw it at him and it, like hit him or whatever, and everyone was like, "Roy's trying to not throw his jacket." So I guess oh, he was so like trying to think of another finishing move. Is that why seventh Woods has like sucked since then? Seventh Woods had a great game against Miami. People I forget. Did. Go check it out. Seventh Woods. Yeah, he's a. I I I came up with a really good joke off the air that I need to share with the listeners. That Please. He's, a, he's named Seventh because he peaked in seventh grade. Oh, yeah, that was so, a good joke. So guys, take that one and tweet it at Tate when he starts <laughs> sucking because that's that's a really fun joke. Um, I will not like it. Yeah, but but Roy, I have a feeling Roy Williams might get a little dizzy tonight. That's my prediction for the Duke game. I th- I think we we might come back out and see a little light spell, a little. Uh, now that we're going to uh, talk a about it, lightheaded little. Uh, North Carolina has not beaten Duke in the ACC tournament since 1998. And, and the people that were on that team were Antoine Jameson, Vince Carter, Shaman Williams. Shane Battier was playing as a young freshman uh, with somehow looking like he was 40 years old at the time um, and lamer than ever. Uh, it's been 20 years since we beat Duke in the ACC tournament. It's about time we figure this out and mm-hmm. get a win. Uh, last year, you know, was pretty terrible. Harry Giles uh, has his big moment, beats North Carolina. They win. They go two for one in the series. They don't win the national championship. They lost to South Carolina. North Carolina, people forget, went on to win the national championship. Mm. Um, mm. Did they last year? Yeah, they did. Is that true? So I will say this, and then I'll put I'll put everything on the table right now. If I had to choose right now, North Carolina beats Duke in this game. Yep. And that leads to Duke then going on to win the national championship. Yes. I will still beat Duke today. You want to beat Duke, even so if it that's means, how badly I want to beat Duke. Even if it means Duke, what, once how, I realize it's been twenty years, what if Duke beats North Carolina, and then Duke goes on to win the national championship? Then I quit. How about that then, I, then I quit this podcast. <laughs> you Write that do down, that. Kyle. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie you to the chair. And just nope. stick a microphone in your face. I'm, and I'm out. We're I'm out, baby. Uh, so yeah, Carolina Duke tonight. We will. We're, we're, I'm gonna find a way to talk about it one way or another. We're actually gonna do some like video stuff uh, during the game. We're You're gonna, gonna come watch it in my house. You don't know that yet. Yeah. 
We're gonna work <laughs> You all know that. Uh, anything else before we go? Oh, we should mention we set up the bracket group on Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, do join our bracket group, please. Yep. It's it, it's at one shining pod. We tweeted it out a it's few a, times. Yeah, You'll account. see it. We haven't even joined it yet. We haven't so joined it yet. As soon as we it. join it, we will definitely. We're tweet waiting it out. for the numbers to get out. Like we we need to see. I I need to see if my own group is respectable, is worthy of me joining. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. only I'm not joining any bullshit group. I got to see like it's a. But we're gonna do we're we're gonna do a thing. Uh. We're doing an awards show after the season. We're calling yes, it the Duffies. The Duffies. We're giving out all sorts of awards. Mm-hmm. Good guy of the year, bad guy of the year, best Coach K disciple. Yep. Best image rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellence in journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, some others. We yep. got we got a few others. Eighth we're gonna, man of the year. Eighth man of the year. Mm-hmm. The red shirt junior of the year. We're mm-hmm. gonna do a lot. Of, we're gonna do a big award show. But one of the awards we're giving out is like friend of the program of the year or something like that. And whoever wins our bracket gets to call into the podcast, say whatever you want for like two minutes. Maybe maybe longer, maybe shorter. I don't know how. Uh, two minutes. Yeah, two we'll, minutes is one of those things that like we'll make Kyle record it and we'll see what happens. Two minutes doesn't seem like that long, but then you get some stranger mm-hmm. talking to us, and I'm like, mm-hmm. God, this is going on a long time. If Chris Bourbon <laughs> can do what he up. did in yeah. two minutes, then you yeah. can do something in two minutes. So uh, we're gonna do that. So join the bracket group, get an opportunity to do that if you win. Um, follow us at One Shining Pod at Tate Frazier at Club Trillion. That's pretty much it. You got anything else, Tate? Uh, I will shout out. We're both uncles. You were recently an, un- an uncle. Uh, my brother's daughter. Quinn is being born Ooh. as we speak right now. It may right have just happened. Second? I have like 15 you're text un- messages right now. You're an uncle for the first time? Yes, I'm an uncle for the first so time. So shout out to my brother Gil and uh, his Tate, wife Tate Ashley. Tate and I are uncles. Uh, we, I, I became an uncle for the first time mm-hmm. about a month ago. Mm-hmm. You became an uncle now. Right now. And the at question this is, the question, I, I guess maybe we throw this up on a poll. Am I an emergency contact? Oh. <laughs> maybe I hope we, not. Maybe we throw this up on a poll, but we got to like figure out which one of us is Uncle Jesse and mm-hmm. which one is Uncle Joey mm-hmm. in this operation. Yes, we'll figure it out. I feel like I see like the problem with me is like I'm both like I'm funny as hell. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that, but I'm also handsome. Good looking, yeah. I'm also really handsome and I'm cool. So I might be both and you might be Danny Tanner. <laughs> no, I think Kyle's Danny. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, you're Danny. One thing we know is Kyle's definitely, Kyle's definitely Danny, Danny Tanner. Tanner. <laughs> yeah. On, on, like, I don't even know if I'm on the show. I might be a producer. Kyle's definitely Danny Tanner. Um, next time you guys hear from us on the podcast feed, it will be Selection Sunday. We will have a bracket in front of us. Mm-hmm. It'll be time. I, I want to say it will be March, but John Rostein will be will probably sue me for that. So, um, But March Madness will be here. We're excited for it. Um, thank you guys for listening, and until then, save the crew. Peace.